how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're bottom. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to the Creative Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. Over the past 200-plus episodes, I've had the good fortune of speaking with dozens of screenwriters, actors, and directors, such as Aaron Sorkin, Mel Brooks, Carrie Fukunaga, Whitney Cummings, Michael Imperioli, and William Monaghan, among others. We've dissected ideas on story, character, filmmaking, habits, and various principles for creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also find several of these interviews on the Creative Screenwriting Magazine website, in addition to some that aren't available in audio, such as with Nick Kroll or Stephen Merchant. In addition to the podcast, also make sure to search for the new video essay series on YouTube, also called Creative Principles, where we take a deep dive into movies and television. Join millions of viewers for subjects like the 16 personalities expressed as characters, Did Home Alone, Rowan John Hughes' Career, The Greatest Movie Never Made, and How Jackie Chan Creates Perfection Through Failure, among many more. That's Creative Principles on YouTube. Rebecca Sonnenshine came to screenwriting last after making short films, capturing images, and attending film school. After trying her hand at screenwriting, she discovered she loved the process and the craft. As a writer-producer, she's best known for working on shows like The Vampire Diaries, Outcast, The Crossing, The Boys, and now James Wan's Archive 81 for Netflix. In this new series, the description reads, an archivist hired to restore a collection of tapes finds himself reconstructing the work of a filmmaker and her investigation into a dangerous cult. In this interview, Rebecca talks about getting immersed in character, what she learned as a script reader, how to create improv with yourself, what separates great from average, and common pitfalls for novice writers. I loved, um, I kind of came to screenwriting last. I, I really came into filmmaking. I went to film school at UCLA as an undergrad. Um, I always loved, yeah, I've had a camera in my hands since I could hold one, you know? So I just loved making little films and capturing things in a frame. Um, and then at long last, I came sort of after I graduated from film school, I came to writing because I'd been producing um, indie films and making little films and I worked in development and I said, I think I, I think I might be okay at writing. Um, so I kind of tried it out and I, I, I really love writing. Mm -hmm. um, some people don't love the process of writing. They like having written, but I actually really like writing. I think it's really fun and um, a weird way <laughs> to spend your time I do a lot of like improving in my head and so that's yeah I kind of came to it last and then um eventually television seemed like the best place for me because I I do love to I'm I, I do consider myself a filmmaker as well as a writer so that's kind of the perfect marriage um of writing and filmmaking is to is to make television 
I'm sure when you made the transition, you had read hundreds of scripts. Was there anything that surprised you about the actual process once you kind of dug into it? Um, I think for me, um, you know, I, I did, I read like so many scripts. I read, like I did coverage for a living for a while, you know, so I just, I read and read and read and read. Um, I don't know. I think for me, like how I get um, I'm so immersed in, in the world and the characters. Like, I really feel like I sort of descent. I feel like it's a kind of, um, like when I'm writing dialogue, I feel like it's kind of uh, an improv, you know, with myself, like I, I kind of embody a character, which is probably why I tend to write things that have a pretty singular POV that aren't mm -hmm. bouncing around that I, I kind of like a few characters really, um, you have to kind of become them in a way. Um, that's the interesting thing about writing. I think screenwriting. Of, of those scripts you read, did you see a commonality among the adverse scripts compared to the ones that were really something that really set out to you? Did you see like common pitfalls people go down and that type of thing? Yeah, I think, I think the mistake that most people made was they're just, um, they're just telling what happens. And they're not including the details of character, um, what, either in dialogue or in action or just in premise. The best scripts are very specific and you feel like you, you know those characters when you're reading it. Um, it's not just a, like people kind of sometimes say that, you know, it's just like the script is just kind of what happens. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else fills in the details, but that's, that's not true. Like, to be a really good script, um, you kind of have to be so specific that you can't, that, that you, everybody is sort of led to the same idea. Mm. <laughs> you know, it's not all up for interpretation. It's, it's pretty specific. Um, and I think that, yeah, I just remember reading some early, early, like um, I read lots of bad scripts but I also read like the big spec sales like the Truman show I remember I, this is dating me but like an American Beauty those were big specs that sold and they were so specific mm -hmm. and like detailed and you read it and you're like I see this movie like I see it so I think that that was always the mistake is that people didn't flesh it out enough like mm -hmm. character wise you think I mean, you kind of mentioned some movies in 1999, which was an incredible year. All these original movies came out. Do you think yeah. things have changed a lot after that in terms of filmmaking? Because we have kind of shifted to sequels and reboots and, and a lot more of that anyway. Not, not, it's not all that. There's still some of those movies there. But do you think what's expected has changed with movies? I think so. I mean, I think just as a business, they've changed. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not an expert. But, but I would say that television kind of came up behind it like tv used to be very um formulaic right you know not that i didn't love it like i love formula television like give me more scarecrow and mrs king i'll watch it all <laughs> um but but what television became over the years is much more specific and very character driven and it kind of came and filled that spot so i think you see a lot of stuff happening in television that would have happened in films mm -hmm in the nineties, but now there's television and you get a little more real estate to tell these stories. And I think people like living with characters and that's really, 
think they either go to the go to see entertainment for the spectacle or to live with characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the best obviously can do both. <laughs> um, but I think television has really kind of like filled in that space and, and also attracted, you know, amazing actors. Like I just love watching great acting. That's this what I love about watching and, you know, television or films and now television has equal is on equal footing with films in terms of the, the talent that it attracts. So that's really what makes it very exciting. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned some of the pitfalls of a script also that it's very important to get in the mind of a character when you're writing, what is your, th- does some of those things happen later for you, like draft three, or does that come in the outline? Like how early do you know, all right, I'm ready to write this script. I know some of yours are paid jobs. I guess maybe I'm talking about spec scripts or that type of thing, but when do you know you're ready to start writing? Is there an outline phase? What's your process like? Yeah, I kind of, um, I always, I always sort of start with a, an outline, but it's kind of a messy, a big messy outline. I'm not talking to the, about the outlines that I send to the studio if I'm doing a, a job. Right. My own personal, my own personal outlines are these big, messy, very, um, you know, you, you kind of try to get the structure down. Like, I do think it's really important to get the structure down of what you're doing. But then as you're filling in details, it's just like random details that I would say the thing that makes something feel real is that you're bringing your own experiences into it. That doesn't mean that you have to have lived, you know, you don't have to have gone to Mars to write a movie about going to Mars, but, um, you know, the things you like to eat, the, the, the music you like to listen to, those things add the specificity to characters, these like tiny details that come from your heart or your experience. Um, that's where things feel textured and real. So mine are just these big sprawling documents. And I think when I feel like now I'm just now I'm just adding details. That's when I try to get it into. If sometimes you have to turn in an outline, and then you're calling. I'm always cutting a bunch of stuff from my outline. My outlines. I'm like they don't need to know that. Whatever these little details, but I keep them in a separate document because when you go to do the scene work, then those come back in. But they don't. Your the executives don't need to know. Like, you know the the minute details of what your character like like which tea they drink or how they make their tea or um but I actually find that most people when you're doing when you're pitching or when you're writing outlines that including some of those details those Mm -hmm. like not too many but the like including details really pulls people into a project because it feels like, oh, I like, like, love that little part that you put in. I love that thing about, you know, the way they unwrap a gift or something. So it's just kind of like choosing which ones you want to represent mm-hmm. your project, I guess. There's obvious difference, like maybe how you talk to an executive versus how you talk to an actor or those type of things. Where does the theme fit in? Does everybody on board with the theme or some of those things kind of hidden and maybe the executives are more concerned with plot and budget and that type of thing? Like where, who talks about theme? Where does that conversation come from? Um, I think good executives really want to know what your show is about, mm-hmm. which is theme. that theme. It's not mm-hmm. the, pre- not, not like what's it about, what's the premise, but like, what is it about? What's the, right. What are the thematic things that you're exploring? And what are the, char- the deep character kind of like 
emotional beats that you're wanting to explore. They, they really do want to know that it's, it's, um, that's why it's so important to, to really have a, a really good grasp on those things when you, you kind of have to go into a project thinking, what does my character want and why do they want it? Um, and then you build that because if you don't have it, your executives are going to go, well, what, a, why, why, what's the why now of things is always a big question, but, but also like, why this person, why are they reacting like this? What makes them go on this journey? Um, it's the, you know, the old Disney term is the, I want song, but that kind of, it's just, it's, it's the same for any project. Somebody has to say what they want. Mm-hmm. And they go after it. <laughs> has there ever been, um, cause you know, sometimes like plot wise, they, we might think, why are they making three snow white movies this year or something like that? But we rarely would say, why are they making so many father and son movies or something about more theme related? Have you ever seen something that like, where they're just passing on it because it's too popular in the zeitgeist as far as theme goes? Um, it's really hard to know why people, pa- I don't think oh, right. so. I think it's like, it's hard to know sometimes why people connect with certain things. And sometimes they, sometimes these projects do come up in, in sort of pairs, you know, like, like there's two movies on the same sort of like concept, but it's mm-hmm. out, it's cause it's out there in the world. Like, right, right. We're all thinking about it somehow. And there's probably like a hundred other ones that aren't being made. Um, it was on people's minds. So I think that, you know, pre- premise and like theme are totally, totally two separate things. So mm-hmm. themes are pretty, they're pretty standard. Like we, we go right. back to the same themes over and over again, because we're hardwired as right. a society to want to explore them. Um, it makes us, you know, we were drawn to them for a certain reason. So, so yeah. <laughs> well, tell me about, so kind of coming in with a producer and filmmaker mindset, how did you kind of market yourself differently as a writer? Was it about your spec scripts or things like that? How did you kind of come in and um, say, well, no, I really want to, I want to do this too. Like, how did you kind of make yourself <laughs> make that work? I guess. Yeah, it was a pretty conscious decision, to be honest. Like I kind of started out writing very small dramas that did have like a oh, some sort of weird high concept element to them, but they were pretty, pretty standard dramas, you know, overall. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, people are looking for something more commercial, you know, mm-hmm. a hook. And I've always loved genre mm-hmm. very much. You know, I love sci-fi, I love horror, I love supernatural things. So I just sort of started taking the things that I was interested in like dramatically thematically and um putting them into a premise that was something more genre related um and I definitely sort of like branded myself that way um as a sort of a female genre writer who were very grounded characters um and I just kept at it, you know, <laughs> it took quite a, quite some time, but eventually I got there. Um, but I did stay very focused. I didn't kind of like, oh, go, oh, I guess I'll just write comedies now. I, I really stayed very focused and kept trying to, like genre is pretty broad, you know, it can be a ghost story, it can be an action film, but um, kind of have to like really like commit. <laughs> 
There's some other rules you created for like your concept. So I spoke with Mike Cahill who did the movie bliss. And, and he told me that he likes to think, well, it's basically the world today, but this one big thing is drastically different. So it's usually like a sci-fi element or something like that. in his, mm-hmm. did you have like, okay, I want to like, how did you kind of come up with those concepts? Were there similar threads and that type of thing? I think for me, the probably if you were going to look at things, I would say, you know, I am a skeptic personally. I don't, I don't really believe in ghosts, you know, and I don't really believe in a lot of these things, but I take the premise of like, what if the things that everybody thinks are a hoax or bullshit are real? Mm. So what if ghosts are real? You know, what if, um, what if a, a kid could turn into a bug, you know, like things that seem impossible improbable, and saying like, but let's just say you could do it. Mm. Like it is true. Like, um, you know, uh, there are werewolves. Let's just say, like, how do you make that? Like, so that people buy in. I don't ever want people to just, just have to say, you just have to trust me. I will never say that. I'm like, I'm going to make you believe this is real. So I think that's kind of where I come at a lot of my, a lot of my projects, right? Like, let's say that you could be possessed by evil or those things to me, like, I think that's not real. That's not real. But let's just say it is real. And now let that's the, where the work starts, right? right? How do you make that real? And that I think that's so fun. I mean, it's, it's you know, in this show, it's very much like people think cults are like nonsense, but let's just say they're not. Did you have any um, surprises when you kind of move from, because everyone kind of assumes if you're writing a screenplay, a movie, you're kind of by yourself versus like the writer's room where you're with like 10 people. Was there anything different about that for you? Or are you pretty used to all the conversations and things from your production days? <laughs> um, I did have to get used to it, honestly, when I started, because I do do write alone. I don't like to even write in coffee shops because of aforementioned uh, improving with myself. Like I talk a lot out loud while I write. Um, so I can't really go to a coffee shop and write. That's crazy. So when I first started into a writer's room, it was it's like slightly intimidating because you are pitching like what you usually think of by yourself. You're saying it out loud and people can go, nah. <laughs> It's dumb, you know, or, um, or that's good, but like, how does that work? And you're, then you have to think on your feet very quickly all the time. And you're around a lot of people, um, in, in the room, that was something to get used to, but I actually, I really like it. I also like writing by myself. I can do both. Some, some people like prefer one or the other. I, I think there's like value to both of them. Sometimes when I'm alone, I'm like, ah, maybe I could just get a zoom together and I could say, what do you guys think I should do about this? <laughs> um, it's fun to have more brains, you know, to work on a problem because a lot of story, story, you know, writing screenplays is, is solving problems. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's fun to have more, more brains on the job than just mm-hmm. yours. <laughs> So tell me about this latest project. Where did the idea for Archive 81 from and kind of how did you get involved with the project? Archive 81 is based on a podcast, a fiction podcast. So um, I was asked by Netflix and Atomic Monster, the production company, to um, come in with some ideas for adapting. Um, And it is very much sort of in my wheelhouse, which is... Uh, it's a, it's got a supernatural element to it. 
Um, it's got horror elements to it, but it's also a very character-driven story. Um, so that, you know, and then, and then I think what you do in any project is then you just bring yourself into it, you know, um, all your, your eccentricities and, you know, characters that you know that could be these characters, you know, you bring those to the, the sort of the raw material and you start to sort of shape it into something that like, you're like, like only I can write this version of it because I've brought so much myself into it. Um, and another person would bring totally different elements into it, make it their own story. So that's kind of the fun of melding um, an existing IP, you know, a, a podcast with your own sort of you know, POV and, and your own, um, just sort of your own things that you bring to it. Um, so that's kind of how it started. It wasn't, I didn't, I didn't know about the podcast until uh, Netflix brought it to me. Mm-hmm. It's a really fun podcast. And it has the thing that I love so much is it has these very specific things that are so interesting and you're like, that's so cool, you know? So I thought, oh yeah, this is a good marriage, I think. Where do you kind of see the the series horror genre day? It seems like, um, especially the the stuff Mike Flanagan's done for Netflix is very like almost if you took the ghost stuff out, it's a great family drama or something like that. Do you kind of see that with this? Is this how you? I mean, it sounds like that's also how you kind of pitch yourself and your 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 category and that type of thing. Do you see um, other writers coming in and? The, the genre kind of shifting to more like think pieces as opposed, you know, as opposed to like the just flash jump scares and some of those things. <laughs> well, I think, I think there's room for every, that, the nice thing about where we are is there's room for lots of different kinds of horror. Um, I do think I sort of share, you know, Mike Flanagan makes such awesome, you know, entertainment for, for Netflix. He's made such great films and such great series. I think I have a similar way of coming at stories, which is a very, um, it's kind of like finding the, the good drama within them mm-hmm. um, and then putting it inside of, of a genre piece. I think we, we both kind of do the same thing um, or we attempt to. <laughs> I don't know if I live up to Mike yet, but um, you know, sci-fi has always been a a genre about ideas. Um, And I think that horror is also a genre that can be the same sort of thing. It's it's about ideas. It's about, um, it can have social commentary. I mean, we've moved into that with um, superheroes as well. I would say kind kind of the boys, you know, had this idea that it, yeah, there's all these trappings and it's such a fun co- comic story. You know, it's got all the tropes that we love so much, but it also can be something a little bigger. You have things you want to say about the world. And I think horror can be that as well. Um, it can also be, it doesn't have to be about the world. <laughs> it can be, but it can be about people too, human nature. Um, you know, humanity is kind of hardwired to be afraid of certain things why you know what makes us afraid um it's different for different people but i do think we all kind of have these like um 
fears of like, there's somebody hiding in the closet, you know, <laughs> that's pretty base. So I think, you know, it's a very humanist genre if you allow it to be, it doesn't have, it, it can be like really um, cynical and dark and nihilistic, but it can also be incredibly human and um, emotional. So, you know, there's room for everybody to play. Mm -hmm. um, it's very malleable. Um, it's very visceral, which makes for a good movie. It, it doesn't, doesn't feel cold, you know? Mm. <laughs> Horror doesn't usually feel cold. Like you're feeling something big when you watch it. It could right. be all kinds of different things, but. So you've worked on a couple like adaptations where Outcast, The Boys, Archive 81 now. How much room do you guys have as a writer's room to go away from plot? Like are certain things expected? The audience just expects these key tent poles or how does some, or is it up to the original creator of the show where to come in and out of things like that? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of the showrunners, like mm -hmm. it's their vision for what the show is. But I do think that, you know, the, the thing that television allows you to do is delve into characters. So, you know, it doesn't just have to be about plot. You know, you, you can take detours um, and it's really up to, you know, who, whoever's running the show is like how much they want it, how, how, what the balance of that is. Um, I personally like have worked on things where you really want to balance out the plot with uh, character stories because I do think that that's what really draws people into television is to sort of be on a ride with characters, um, sort of their ups and downs, what they want, you know, what they can't have, you want what they want. So, so I've been lucky and that's kind of where I tried to take this series as well, which is, um, yes, there is this framework of a story and a big mythology that goes with it, but it all comes down to, these characters and what they're searching for and how they connect with each other. I think we're almost out of time. You've given a lot of great advice already. I usually like to ask um, if you were kind of starting today, how might you start? Or if you could go back and give yourself advice before maybe your first writing job, what might you tell yourself? <laughs> um, gosh, I think, you know, I guess I would say to people, like, don't try to think what are people looking for? Like, obviously it's a business. It is a business, but you'll only rise to the top if you really bring yourself and your POV into a story because that's what makes people connect with it. So also to just give yourself permission, like first you gotta write a few, like, don't think I'm gonna write a script and that's the thing, like you have to write a lot. Um, I wrote, I've written so many scripts, like <laughs> dozens and dozens of scripts, you know, features, pilots. You, you find out who you are as a writer by writing a bunch of things um, and you might surprise yourself. So I wouldn't say like, you can't like map out your path right away. You kind of have to write a lot and see who you are as a writer and what speaks to you and um, what you have to bring that is unique to the, into the game here. So 
be patient with yourself and give yourself a lot of room and write a lot. That's what I would say. Just write, write as much as you can. Thank you for tuning in to the show. If it's your first time listening, make sure to hit that subscribe button and visit my new website for information on the YouTube channel, the blog, the podcast, and my new book, Ink by the Barrel, which takes advice from these 200 plus interviews and more at brockswinson.com. You'll see the link in the show notes. Thanks again.